When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. On today's episode, Garth Jones returns with his segment, Pass the Amel, as we continue our deep dive into the osploitation genre with Australian action horror film, Wormwood, Road of the Dead. My name is Justin Hamilton, and remember, never, never, ever grab another man's balls in a fist fight. It shows low character, here at Big Squid. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we're returning to the exploitation genre in the segment Pass the Amel, where my good friend Garth Jones will lead us through the Aussie-made film Wormwood, Road of the Dead. If you're in Australia, you can find this film on Stan and it is a pitch-perfect example of an exploitation film. It is funny, tense, graphic and really an impressive example of what can be made with a budget that most Hollywood movies would blow on catering. Uh, For our overseas listeners, this movie will give you a real taste of the very specific, laconic Aussie sense of humour that really flourishes in our suburbs. It's the kind of sense of humour that when I go home and I catch up with friends and, you know, it's just... It's hard to kind of describe, but when you hear it, when you see it, you you recognise it immediately. And uh, I really enjoyed getting into this movie, and uh, I, I hope you do too. It's worthwhile checking out. It's a lot of fun. Uh, before we launch into it, uh, as you might be aware, we finally launched a Patreon. You asked me to set one up. I eventually delivered. <laughs> it took me a while, but I got there. I just wanted to make sure we had everything right. But anyway, you can sign up for all types of bonus content like extra podcasts, scripts, etc. And also have an episode 
that is dedicated to you. And today's episode goes out to Steph Perino, who is not only a friend, but has been a, a very lovely and dedicated supporter of my work for a long time, uh, going back to the Three Colours Hamo days, which was 2007. Oh my Lord, that's a long time ago. And Steph was always there for the shelf as well, the uh, cult show that I used to run uh, in Melbourne at the TOF in town. Uh, Steph is also very funny online. She constantly makes me laugh when we do our Big Squid remote viewing parties. <laughs> you know what? Steph's got that kind of humour that you find in the movie. So she's a perfect example of that. And uh, I've had some pretty good times with Steph, actually. I think, and Steph... Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong with this. I think you may have been at the Melbourne Comedy Festival show where, I don't know if you remember this, I had the flu and it was so bad I thought I might have to cancel. So I actually went to a doctor who prescribed me an over-the-counter flu tablet and I took it and it was so much stronger than I expected. Like, so much stronger. And look, the good thing is I didn't sneeze all the way through the show. And I also physically felt pretty good. But I also probably did three hours of material in 55 minutes. And I am a quick talker at the best of times. But I remember coming out and Adelou being for way too long at the start. And then uh, I remember, I think you may have been there with Sam Streeter and uh, maybe Robin McGregor as well. And you were all sitting there with a big smile on your face as if to say, well, this is going to be interesting. I am sure that you were at that gig, Steph, and uh, what a night. I've I've just gotten to sleep. (laughs) That gig was a long time ago. So anyway, this episode goes out to you, Steph, and thank you very much for your support, not only for the Patreon, but for all this time. Uh, Part of signing up to the Patreon is that you will receive bonus episodes and early looks at some of the work. We're going to be trying some different segments out over there, get a feel for them, but you can also help shape those podcasts too. And going up this week is our first Patreon-only episode. It's a Q&A with Rove McManus. So our subscribers asked the questions and we answered them in an edition that was supposed to go for 30 minutes. And guess what? It clocks in well over an hour. So... <laughs> See, Steph, it's just like the shelf all over again. You know, the hour and a half show that went for four days? If you'd like a taste of what the uh, subscriber-only episodes alike. Uh, Here's a snippet of Rove answering one of the many questions that was asked, uh, and this one is, if you could be the showrunner on Doctor Who for two seasons, and two seasons only, what would you do? Well, I would would lessen the amount of people travelling with the Doctor. I think we've had far, far too many. Um, I would like to see which... That I, I think they're doing anyway in this current um, upcoming season is I think we have to get modern with the show. It has to have a connection. So the whole season needs to not just be standalone episodic television. It needs to have a cliffhanger ending that leads to the next episode. So if you've got six, 12 eps, whatever it might be, treat it like, some of the very popular shows that are on at the moment, either those ones that are dropping every week or streaming, it's one long story for Mm. the most part. Um, You know, like a 
for better or worse, like a squid game. It's like, okay, mm. you watch the first step and you're like, ah, okay, I think I know what this is going to be. And then there's always that little something, as Netflix does very well with these shows in the last couple of minutes, where you go, all right, I'm going to jump into the next one. Um, or happily wait next week to see what happens next. You know, um, and low key, as you and I talked about, the perfect example of one of those shows. It can zip and zag and go wherever it wants to go, but it's following one story the whole way through, and um, that's what I would what what I would do with the show. Yeah, that's, that would be, my, and I would I would not get too caught up in the history of the Doctor and her home planets and all that sort of stuff. And I would yeah just keep it simple and maybe even have the Doctor just travel on their own for a bit. As you can well imagine, there are plenty of Doctor Who questions, but Rove also answers uh, stuff like uh, which TV shows he'd reboot from his childhood. That was actually a a, a fun question that took me in places I wasn't expecting. Uh, There are stories about what it was like when he attended a music festival on his own. Uh, There's all sorts of stuff about the Marvel Universe, specifically uh, Loki or uh, as a lot of you really enjoy uh, that is Rose pronunciation which is low key I like that low key it's less god of mischief and more god of sitting around with your feet up but he also answers the most important question that was asked on the podcast the most important question that was asked by one of our subscribers it was uh, I think it was SB I reckon it was old Benno She came in and asked, what is your favourite duck? And boy, does Rove come in hot with that one. (laughs) Anyway, it's a really fun podcast. And if you'd like to not only listen to it, but also have a hand in crafting our next Q&A episode, we haven't announced who that guest is, but we will do that soon. So you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton underscore Big Squid and you can find us. All right. I have a little bit more information on what to expect this week at the end of the podcast, but I want to get into it. Let's bring in Garth Jones with his segment. know is there is something in the air that's changing people. I need you to get me to Bulla Bulla. Why? To get his sister. You get to see what the adults do after dark. Oi! Can we come inside? There's fucking zombies everywhere! Yeah, okay. She can control zombies! There's no way that could work. There's one way to find out. We need to armor up. Big time. Ready? Born ready. Come on, you dead bastard! The medical box. Oh, beers. You want a beer, Frank? What do you fucking reckon? 
tell me where she is. This track runs on zombies. No zombies, no track. It's about the survival of a human fucking race, mate. Hold on! Come on, you zombie! You want a zombie? I'll get you a zombie. What? Animal through. Through. So we're back with a new Osploitation movie, and this is a fairly recent film. It was what 2014 when they made this. Yep, 2014. Uh, I think they started producing it, or they uh, began the project in 2010. Right. And it took them about, uh, they started producing it with um, the intent that it would cost them something in the range of five figures to get the entire thing done on the weekend. Right. Uh, and it ended up taking them about four years yeah. <laughs> to finish. And cost, <laughs> and they ended up getting funding from a bunch of different uh, film bodies in Australia and it cost $1.5 million. Right. That's, well, that's so what funny when you start to make a, a movie at home with your mates and it blows out to half a decade and um, probably a hundred times your budget. So I'm curious, when did they start filming it then? Because if that took that long to film, those actors did a remarkable job of not aging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, and to that point too, there's a sequel in production now where they evidently haven't aged even more. Or maybe backwards. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Like that is yeah, it's genuinely like surprising. You're in pretty good shape, and you all look pretty yeah. fucking good for five years, and now nearly a decade later. Yeah. Well, let's see them post COVID, where we all seem to have uh, stacked on a few years. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's the zombie bit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Hey, uh, so what differentiates this movie from like the classic Osploitation film? Because it feels like it's there's the lineage there, but it also feels like it has some modern sensibilities as well. I I guess I th- I think they're aware of the tropes. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a film of the last decade or so and they're willing to I mean, you know, people like Danny Boyle obviously Came came at us with fast zombies, but this film gives us a reason that they're really slow and fast. Yeah. Uh, or you know, there's you know the fun the fun ideas around um, doing experiments on them and sort of using aspects of their uh, abilities, being able to control them. Uh, yeah, and, and just you know taking all those sort of everyman tropes that a lot of the films zombie films have and really you know ramping them up. All that sort of Sam Raimi. Peter yeah. Jackson sort of gear, John Carpenter, and yeah. yeah, sort of giving it a. I mean, it's still, you know, it's not a comedy per se, but it definitely has all those elements. Like, it's not Shaun of the Dead, but it definitely has, uh, it gives you a wink. Oh, yeah. So, like, some of the dialogue is hilarious, and there's uh, some genuinely kind of funny moments. Uh, you know, I guess all good horror oscillates back and forth doesn't it it's rare that Mm. a horror film is just purely like 
scary. Uh, the only movie that I can think of that is just legitimately scary from the get-go is The Exorcist. I don't really remember too many jokes in that, but this uh, oh, definitely... I'd go The Shining. Uh. All right. See, is The Shining not a little bit funny? It depends when you saw it, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I rewatched. So this is a bit of a digression. I rewatched yeah. The Shining recently, and I think it's my least favorite of the Kubrick films I've seen. Right. Okay. Um, you know, like I rewatched Eyes Wide Shut, which I, which I enjoyed a lot more this yeah, time okay. around. Um, no, I haven't done Eyes Wide Shut for a long time, so. Oh, yeah, I was really surprised, and it's kind of got a um, performance by Tom Cruise that doesn't really fit, which is kind of perfect because his character doesn't really fit. And I, I was—I I thought Nicole Kidman was much better than I remembered. Yeah, I listened to a podcast relatively recently where they talk about all the ideas behind Eyes Wide Shut being, you know, tongue-in-cheek why Stanley Kubrick was assassinated because he right. was on to Jeffrey Epstein and those those societies and all you know the sort of interlinking oh. yeah uh, <laughs> uh, you know that was you know they were sort of pinning together the idea that Kubrick had been forced to uh, fake the moon landing and sort of turned his whole career into sort of a conspiracy theory. Wow, uh, ending I... with eyes wide shut with him being quietly off for knowing too much. Look. Every other aspect of that I don't necessarily believe in at all. But when you get to that last bit, considering the way Epstein went, hmm. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but um, we anyway. We're going the rabbit hole, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That is a rabbit hole as well. But, uh, yeah. yeah, it's funny that it felt like it had, like you could feel a, a little bit of the first Mad Max in this, uh, in some of the ways that the uh, driving along the street, you know, the roads was shot, uh, but it also felt like at times it had a little bit of Edgar Wright kind of edits, and uh, you know, quick uh, quick cuts between lots of things happening at once. But then it also quintessentially had that <laughs> Australian uh, sense of humour. The um, not Barry, the lead character, who was Benny. the um, Benny, man, Benny made me laugh so many times. I I went, yeah, I hadn't really looked into his career until I rewatched it today. And it's like, he hasn't done much, but like, he's such a fun performer. Yeah. And like his deadpan sort of aside, like he's, you know, the he he slings, you know, the swears so very well. Right. Uh, just, you know, fuck me, his face, fuck me dead. Like, you know, it's all... <laughs> It's all of them, <laughs> all of them are good swearers. Like they're mm. all really. Uh, he's it, superb, it, and like just his de- his delivery is so great, and <laughs> yeah, and he's delightful as well. Like uh, yeah. every scene he's in is so good. Uh, it also just doesn't waste any time getting started, does it? It really starts off, and you're sitting there going, "Wow, is this is this an Australian rollerball? Like, what is happening mm. here?" Yep. Uh, yeah, it does go for the throat. I mean, I guess that's testament to how much money it costs to make. But they, I mean, and, you know, I was looking looking at the scenery and I was thinking, is it was it shot on the central coast of New, New South Wales? Um, it's actually in the Blue Mountains, but, like, you do get that sense that it's all that sort of DIY, you know. Yeah. They went to, they went to Bunnings. They grabbed a few, few supplies for the day. Yeah. Went out behind someone's shed. <laughs> yeah. Shot a bit of it put that away, edited that for a few months, came back, kept going, stayed really fit. 
Um, well, the, the, the DIY aspect of making the film really fits in with the actual film itself as well, which is hmm. a lot of fun too, I think. Well, yeah, I was yeah thinking about the situation we're in now and remembering how everyone was behaving at the start of COVID. Yeah. And then thinking about if COVID was zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> this is pretty much ex- you're pretty spot on in terms of how I expect, a, you know, made, mainly it would be like John Howard's Battlers with heaps of money that would have gone to Bunnings. Yeah. Or gone down to the, you know, motorbike <laughs> shop, gone down yeah. to the sport, gone down to Rebel Sports, got all the yeah. shit and they'd be ready to go. Um, you- kick the shit out of the zombies, drive around, smoke some drugs in the bush. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> have a great time. Yeah. These guys aren't afraid to have a beer as well, which no, <laughs> made exactly. me laugh and like, you know, so just many those, times. You know, those sort of quintessential scenes of just like, nah, do you want a spliff? And yeah. oh, we'll just run down some zombies. I've got a cricket bat. We'll sort him out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, uh, there's no faffing about. Um, so hang on. How much did you say that the film uh, cost to make? $1.4 million. Right. And what had they budgeted for? About 50000 I think. Yeah, right. I noticed so they, that yeah. uh, Pomerantz's name, uh, Margaret Pomerantz's son, is one of the producers right, okay. on the so film it looks like, as well. From what I understand, yeah, the, they, they made a really good, um, you know, long-form long teaser trailer from right. what they had. Right. And then they got funding bodies on board, which they seem to have – I mean, it was shown at Toronto Film Festival – Right. In 2015 or something. And I think yeah. they're going back with the new one if okay. they can. Yeah. And Whether it's it, been it, shut down or not. And it, uh, it's got, uh, you know, like, I'm not really. I hate talking about this kind of stuff because it's annoying because I don't necessarily buy into it all the time. But it does seem to have uh, pretty strong reviews across the board. Yeah. I. Um, have recently been getting a little bit more into the horror community stuff just for the, uh, not not that I'm necessarily completely into the genre, but like just poking around it for the book and seeing what's around. And yeah, talking to people, yeah, it's got a good reputation. Like yeah. it wasn't really, I mean, it, it, you know, it pretty much went straight to Blu-ray. Right. I don't think it got much of a cinematic release, but it's, you know, it's developed a relatively cultish reputation. Yeah, Over and you can find it. Years? Yeah, I think I found it on. Um, I should have written this down. Actually, I think I found it on Stan last okay. night when yeah. I watched it. So yeah. it wasn't wasn't difficult to find. Um, is it is it meant to be the beginning of a new franchise, or is it meant to be a one off? Because it feels like it sort of gets to the end, and not that the story doesn't end, but it feels like there's a lot of mythology that would be fun to kind of dig into. Um. Uh, for, yeah, it seems to be the case that they've they've come up with like a mythology, and they've, I mean, the, these guys, the brothers who directed it or wrote and directed it, um, they've spent the last seven or eight years building up the funding again to make the second film. Yeah. So they've, you know, uh, not made anything else, just dedicated themselves to this little pocket of you know their universe. Yeah. And have kept all their um, all their stars fit in the cryo tank yeah. and ready to go again. Uh, yeah. So yeah, apparently they did have a, a bigger plan. Right. And a, yeah, there's a second one will be coming out maybe next year or the next, or the year it's called apocalypse. Right. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that's kind of what I enjoyed about it. It does seem like it's a, a mashup of a lot of uh, these types of stories, but then it also kind of feels quite original as well. Like the the start with the shooting stars, that's essentially Day of the Triffids, isn't it? Mm. Which is which is probably a book that has. Uh, a broader influence on zombie movies, even though it's not a zombie book in itself, yeah. right? Or a War of the World sort of situation, or, you know, any yeah. of those sort of early sci-fi um, novels or shows. Is not uh, is George Romero's uh, zombie, uh, original zombie film, I can't remember which one that is, is that Night of the Living Dead? Dawn of the Dead? Uh, Dawn of the Dead? Uh, it, yeah, one of them, yeah. It, they're... Um, they're, that's meant to have a bit of a sci-fi connotation, isn't it? Isn't the zombie virus meant to have come yeah, from space? So, yeah, that's another one I haven't seen since I was probably ten. <laughs> so yeah, digging yeah. Into the, <laughs> digging into what my horrible uncle and auntie were showing me while they were smoking packs of Winnie Blues down there. Amazing, <laughs> yeah. amazing. You, Watch this beneath the Planet of the Apes. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Don't, what Just are you worried about? It. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> won't have any long-term effects on you. You'll be great. <laughs> None at um, all. There were so many uh, parts of this film that I just found really delightful as they happened, and one of them was cosplay zombie, and it was like, <laughs> wow, how have we missed that in the genre? Like, which you know, the zombie genre to, to a certain extent, you could say, has been worn out in the last decade or so. But I don't remember seeing anyone who was in cosplay. Zombie Land have clown or carnival oh, zombies? Did they write? Maybe, maybe they did. Yeah, I think there might have been a few, but not not the sort of Day of the Dead sort of idea of, um, especially you know the the shed photo shoot in the Blue <laughs> Mountain situation. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's uh, it's such a funny moment, and it happened so quickly as well. Like for a moment, I was like, did I? Did I just miss something? How did this all just turn so yep. <laughs> horrible so quickly? You know, um, but it was—it uh, made me laugh. It was a, a really great thing. What, what is it about zombies that people are loving so much? Like, why is that a genre that's just come back with such a vengeance? Um. All right. Well, this is where I did a little bit more uh, deep, deep reading because. Yeah, they you know obviously we've recently had uh, Zack Snyder's new entry into yeah. the canon, which is like I guess sort of I guess a continuation of George Romero in a way, but sort of yeah. discards most of the zombie tropes and just turns them into homeless people who are really powerful or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a strange film, I have to say. <laughs> I, I I nodded off a couple of times. Oh yeah, um, but yeah, I was reading about the the concept of the zombie as like entropy that we're powerless against, right? Okay, uh, so it's like a you know the condition of you know generally socially feeling that like you know there's a, a force at our door that we can't actually cope with, right. and like you know Wormwood obviously is probably more in the sense of climate change at that point. Yeah, you know the sort of the you know reason the the resources being zombies like you know this sort of cosmic elements to it that are grounded in reality. Yeah, but then I guess yeah now we've got this pandemic that sort of switches 
everything up again. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got governments that can't cope with how to actually communicate uh, to the citizenry that we're, we're not enemies yeah. of each other. Uh, we're all becoming zombies, I guess, <laughs> because right. now you go outside, put your mask on, and you go, what the fuck's that guy doing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Why is he breathing on me? Why the fuck's he, you know, why is he not, you know, why, where's his exemption? <laughs> yeah. Have you had someone I mean, cough near you? It's like a, exactly. it's like a yeah. gunshot going off. <laughs> or you go to the playground and suddenly like it's got the sign on it that says the kids can't play on it. It's like, you know, it's like Terminator 2. Right. You know, the, the, the nuclear explosion is about to go off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the yeah government- I think that it speaks to like, you know, they the films speak to that sort of dread. Um, Wormwood's not that serious about it, but, you know, right. uh, George, George Romero said... Um, I think before he passed away that World War Z had killed the zombie film. Right. Uh, but what doesn't seem why, to be the case. Why, why did he think that? Because that, that movie was a big success. I, I think more in terms of the, I think of, of the spectacle of the zombie versus the oh, right. uh, thematic sort of content of what the zombies right. can mean. You know, like, right. you know, his films were about like consumerism or like, you know, yep. issues pertaining to, you know, basic human man. World War Z was like, here's a giant tidal wave of zombies coming to get Brad Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, 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 right. And okay, that makes like, sense. He'd probably be spinning in his grave seeing Zack Snyder's heist zombies who stand still if you don't move and right. <laughs> do all that shit, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do love that they're just... Very powerful homeless people. That does. Don't know <laughs> why cape. they just with with capes. Yeah, the uh, we love having the government be shady as well with zombies. Like that seems to go hand in hand. It's not. It's not yeah. with other supernatural stuff, which is interesting. Like the mad scientist dude who turns up in in this is in this amazing Joel Schumacher sort of like um, cinematography <laughs> too. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I know. It is like as soon as he turns up, it is a character that I don't know about you, but you just instantly recognize what he's representing for this film mm. because he's kind of gross. Uh, he's kind of hilarious. He's kind of not as funny as maybe he's intended to be, but he seems to tick a lot of boxes. It could have been Bruce Spence. <laughs> it should have been Bruce Spence. That was definitely the Bruce Spence role. He could have... Uh... Yeah, if they could have reanimated him or like... <laughs> oh, man, that is funny. Yeah, because uh, you never really see that actor's face either. That would have been perfect. No, you, no you, but he, you... yeah, definitely, um, yeah, they play with those sort of... Um, I guess, yeah, in t- also in terms of like, you know, the tropes of exploitation, they play with him being, a you know... Uh, more sexually aggressive with um, Brooke, the female character. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he sort of, that's played for sort of suspense and they leave that alone. Yeah. I mean, she can repel shotgun blasts and automatic weapons with a 
bosom, but otherwise, you know, yeah. it's not particularly. <laughs> yeah. Her fake tattoos are probably the most egregious thing about that character. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, she, she, even even the top that she wears is, in the exploitation genre, quite demure when you exactly, think about yeah. it. Exactly, yeah. Like there's no, yeah, it's, it's, they're not pushing the boundaries too far. <laughs> yeah, well, it feels yeah. like the, 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 the genre has sort of... Uh, become woke no not woke but you know yeah. it's definitely woke aware but yeah woke yeah yeah yep. but in a good way in a good yeah. way that's not as just a derogatory behaved. thing just better behaved yeah yeah it yeah. uh i i feel like this movie wears its uh, sense of humor early on and I, the, the the joke that stood out for me that kind of made me think I reckon if you don't find this funny, you might not get the rest of the humour in the movie, is the moment when they're all talking, uh, like right at the start. I think Benny's just told the story about shooting his mate and uh, and then asked Barry if he has a story. And the way Barry just turns around and says, you know, I just had to kill my wife and child with a nail gun, so I don't really have a story. And then we see that story. I think if you don't find that funny, the humour might pass you by, don't you think? Yeah, I think it's a, a very, yeah, it's specific for sure. And I don't know yeah. how, you know, it's um, yeah, it's gallows humour that you'd use if you work as a tradie on the mine. Right. right. Uh, you know, if you, you work in a vocation where you could potentially die every day, like, you, you know, all of the main characters make jokes about the fact that they're fucked. You know, yeah. Frank's, you know Frank's got his soliloquy about his child and how he's going to kill himself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah, they, they're all sort of, and you know, the, even the sort of secondary characters are running around in high vis and doing all that sort of gear. And they're all, yeah, they're just dudes who wake up to an apocalypse and they've got a dark sense of humor. Yeah. And I, yeah, the, yeah, I don't know that like international audiences would necessarily <laughs> buy in too much. Some do, obviously. Right. But, but yeah, there there's was, a, yep. There are even like funny visuals though, like when there's the close up of uh, Ben and he's wearing the t shirt that has the Aussie, 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 oi, oi, oi on it. <laughs> like that was making me laugh a lot in a relatively tense scene as well. Yeah, he's, he's got it going on every way. I mean, and even his final scenes where like it's a bit on the nose to have an Indigenous character being mind controlled to kill himself, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. To, Jesus. You know, you know, that's a bit shit. But, you know, the fact he's a mind-controlled Indigenous guy that's wearing a motorbike jacket and has, like, a semi-automatic weapon who's just thrown a metal boomerang at someone and take it, you know, like, great. Yeah, I guess yeah. it's fine. It's, it's, it's genre, but that, yeah. But that's his, that's his plan. Like, his yeah. plan is to get them out of that situation yeah. is that if he... He understands if he gets, all the rules. Yeah, if he if he gets turned into a zombie, then he can be mind controlled to save them all. So yeah. it's kind of fine, right? Because it's his decision. I just want to see a sequel with him and not Barry. That's all. Oh yeah, no, you've got to like if she can control zombies, then you can maybe yeah, she can control Barry's him. Fine. He'll be all right, <laughs> mate. Like he, the lead character turns into a killer very quickly. Like he goes from when you first meet him to thinking. Ah, he's, you know, a barista who does a bit of DIY on the weekend to he is a machine. (laughs) I I, I will admit that I watched a lot of Home and Away with Mum while I was back in Broken Hill recently, and I would say that Barry 
would have a comfortable job at the surf club um, <laughs> prior to having to kill his wife and daughter. Uh, yeah, it's uh, he, with he, a nail gun. He'd last five seasons at least on Home and Away before <laughs> that yeah. shit went down. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's so true. The uh, his his scene where he's finally kind of given up and he's just wanting to be left alone and then that other dude turns up looking like, you know, Travis Fimmel's cousin. And yep. them, the, the, the humour that I found and the, and the, you know, kind of excitement as well of Barry wanting to kill himself, him fighting this guy to get the guy's gun, the guy fighting him off, then a zombie turns up. Oh, no, we have to take on the zombies. Now we're getting in the car. I still want to kill myself. I'm not going to give you the gun. Oh, look, we're bonding. Oh, the car's broken down. Oh, no, we've got to fix the car. Oh, no, what have you done? You've just shot my mate. Like, it is... (laughs) So much happens in such a short amount of time. But even within that... I followed their whole relationship, <laughs> went on a little journey, and I reckon it probably lasted 17 minutes. Yeah, and his head's fucked at the end of it. <laughs> and his, his head, head fucked, is mate. <laughs> absolutely fucked. Oh, man. So what, what do you think uh, comes after the zombie craze? What, what's, your, what's your prediction? Um, or have we already started seeing, you know, something start to... Because it feels like vampires are done. Like, I'd, I would say once they became sparkly and magical mm-hmm. and and a true blood kind of, you know, all of that era, yeah. suddenly they're a bit naff. I don't, I don't, well, having, you know, watched the, the Snyder stuff, and yeah. you know, not dug it, but like I still think there's plenty of room to move in terms of you know thematically expanding them in different directions. I'm not sure how. I don't have a complete um, roadmap for that, but I think they've got more. You know, vampires are sort of just you know, I don't want to die. Do I want to die? Right. Um, hang around, <laughs> be sad. Um, but zombies seem to have a bit more sort of traction in terms of like contemporary events and like maybe yeah. it's we're just going to find out unfortunately as things roll on how, how they become more relevant right um get vaccinated or maybe you'll become one who knows right who knows yeah. maybe there could be like a sigma strain where it's just like you're fucking zombie and right <laughs> yeah yeah, seems seems like about the right area. Sigma seems to be, yeah, you know, just great like, delta oh, at the actually, moment. Actually, like you're, um, you know, you're going after, yeah, you, you're going after your fellow humans because uh, you've got no more self control. <laughs> Maybe it is, you know, like in this movie, there, uh, it's kind of like something that you catch, and uh, what is it if you, if your blood, your type, blood type is A. Yeah. You're fine, but if not, then you're in trouble. Maybe, maybe there's something to do with. Um, maybe it's like there's spores or something. Maybe that's the next step in the zombie genre. Like you, it's it, to so to kill them is one thing, but it's yep. it's when they kind of, you know, when you shoot them and they explode, it's the spores that they release that then suddenly make them even more dangerous. Because they were they were getting zombified from the blood, weren't they? As well, when they get yeah. sprayed with it. So yeah, there's aspects of that. Um, and yeah. as, in terms of the sequel too, I think I read that um, the captain of the Bogan militia is coming back for the sequel. 
Oh, right. And I assume that's the guy who had his head melted off. Right. So not sure how they're going to work that, but cool. He, uh, I found him to be a pretty great character. Like, was that Sam he, Worthington? Like a cheap he, Sam Worthington? It was a cheap <laughs> a, Sam Worthington. A cheaper one? <laughs> Like it was uh, <laughs> Sam Worthington can do the sequel. <laughs> Steve, Steve Worthington. Um, yeah. There was there, there was something very like that. I I did love that there was something so quintessentially Australian about every character that you came across. Like I did feel yeah. like in this ridiculous over the top movie, there were heaps of people that I looked at and went, "Oh yeah, I've uh, done gigs with him. I've met him out at a pub. I hate him. I hate him. I certainly hate him. I certainly hate him." Um, and oh, God, even the worst, yeah. yeah, even the uh, the lead uh, female character, uh, she felt like she felt like about three different mates' cousins. Yes. <laughs> you know, you go, "Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, I've met you at the birthday party." Um, yep. You you know when the scientist dances to that disco song, that do you feel like we just kind of missed an opportunity to throw in an Aussie classic there? Yeah, I for some reason Rox's song "Bad Boys" just sprang to mind. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say Sherbet. How's that? Oh, yes. And with a bit of a lead-in, like over the top of the entire sequence to really amp it up, I'd say Angry Anderson doing Suddenly from Neighbours. Jesus. Wow. Um, they're, they're, they're my three pitches for how that should go. Oh, well, so... Just thinking about the, you know, as as that song builds up when Charlene and um, Jason Scott. Donovan... Scott. Yep. Scott, there you go. Yeah, um, are getting married and just sort of taking that over the top of the sort of zombie <laughs> goading that's going on. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe uh, with a, a, an exploitation zombie movie, we start. We need to start kind of devouring some of our classic moments of television history. Hmm. Don't Absolutely. you think? Because we're not referencing uh, enough Australian stuff, you know. Well, like yeah, maybe yeah. Molly dying in home in a uh, country practice. It was my first thing. Like in a country yeah, practice, sad. it was such. A, it was a sad <laughs> moment because her husband's running towards her, and you saw it from her perspective of her just fading out. Imagine it turns out in the dog's this, a zombie. It was a zombie she's, dog. You're right. She, she's, she's turning into a zombie. We watch it yeah. from her perspective. Or, uh, or Scott and Charlene's wedding. Or Bobby from by Home and Away. Is, did she die on a jet ski or something stupid like that? Like, oh, God. I don't know. Yeah, maybe she did. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, there's, there's plenty of potential to mine that we, yeah, we don't. We don't take enough care with our own cultural artefacts in this country. Right. Um, we need to go back and we need to have a look at, yeah, what, what we're doing with some of our finer exports. Where's yeah. Warwick Capper in these movies? Jesus. Like, where is Warwick Capper? Where's Warwick? You know, the... Where's Joanne? The, the, <laughs> That's another formative memory. <laughs> yeah, Wow. <laughs> There's about seven people who are listening to this who know exactly what we're talking about, and, That's all right, <laughs> and the, the rest of them. Look uh, up 1993. <laughs> yeah, Warren Kappa, Warren Kappa, uh, Joanne Kappa, and like turn your turn your uh, browser to safe mode. Oh, absolutely! I'm pretty certain. <laughs> didn't they? Wasn't there an infamous photo of the two of them and their son, and they all had the same mullet? Well, that's what you do. Right. 
<laughs> that is what you do. <laughs> living on the Gold Coast in the early 90s. <laughs> you know, I, uh, friends, uh, uh, a friend of mine got, uh, uh, her husband got for his Bucks party. They, they paid for Warwick Kappa to hang out with them. You can't and, dive old to ideas, can you? No, I can't. No. Especially because they're not together anymore. But uh, anyway. Did Warwick, did Warwick get in the middle? No, 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 no. She no, wasn't there. No, no, no. It was no. for the it was no, for the no, Bucks I mean, party. Did, was, was Warwick the issue in the end? Did Warwick just uh, oh, really? slide on in? No, I reckon it was probably, I would say, in hindsight, if I was getting married to someone and they said, I'm going to get Warwick Kappa to my hen's night, yeah, I would say, well, let's just break up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a warning shot for what's going to come in the future. I'd probably say, great, do it. But then I'd be sort of like, after the fact, mm, mm, bad idea. Yeah, good call. Yeah, time to go. Yeah. 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 I'm out. Had a good night. I think Warwick had access to some of the finer, you know, chemistry available in Australia. But yeah. 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 Absolutely. Mm. I'm, by the way, I'm still thinking about uh, how Zat would be so good in, uh, in the next one to uh, just having someone wailing with the cricket bat on zombies to yeah. share. I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It just costs a lot of money to get those songs, <laughs> yeah, which I'm sure yeah. is the problem. But, I mean, they had like a, you know, pretty well-known um, disco song playing over that. So, right. Maybe that was half the budget. Maybe that could have been $1.2 million. You know, I'm a little bit fascinated. Uh, I've been reading, especially for the Leftovers rewatch that I've been doing, and reading about the songs that they weren't able to be able to afford to uh, have on the show. And I, I find it a bit fascinating because if that was me, I, of course you want to get, you know, financially rewarded. But I think it's also a really good way to advertise your music because as soon as I hear a song on a TV show or in a movie that I like, I then go and search for it on Spotify or something. And then invariably I'll end up listening to, you know, at least two or three other songs by that artist. Like I I listened to, for the first time, uh, a whole album by Dusty Springfield because I heard a part of a song was like, oh, is that Dusty Springfield? Went back and then found her... Uh, I think it's like 1963 Soul album, and it's like, oh, mm. wow, this is really good. So I'd almost be tempted if someone said, we can only afford this, just say, absolutely, and you still get paid, and it's a bit of advertising. Yeah, I think in the middle is, unfortunately, um, agents and managers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, who are just like, we need our whatever percentage. Yeah. And thanks very much. But if you... I mean, I've been, I've been researching what the right situations are with, like, even, like, putting lyrics in books, and you can right. be killed for that as well just because, like, uh, publishing in music is, like, you know, divided up in so many ways. Right. Um, I mean, as a very broad anecdote, uh, mates of mine recorded an album in 2004 that yep. they paid off recently because Shannon Noel covered them. Right. Like, yeah, so the, the debt to the record company and, like, the, the avenues to get it back are just insane. So, so, so hang on. So Shannon Noel covered their song. He covered a unpublished song of theirs, which then paid off 
their um, debt to the record company, basically. So all the the publishing and everything else, you know, and all the stuff that the record company throws in, like touring and, uh, you know, merch and all that sort of shit, um, gets basically put into a big account that says, you owe us this much. Right. Now it's time to find a way to pay it off. So, yeah, putting songs in films and all the rest is a way to pull it back if you need to. And obviously the artists that they're going for don't need that. But if you're a smaller artist, you're like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the bucks. But yeah, it's, it's, it's frightening. Yeah. It's frustrating as well because if, you know, invariably the artists consistently get screwed, don't they? And it's, you yep. know, something that would be <laughs> helpful. Yeah. And so I find it a real struggle as, as you get older, you know, trying to produce work is you just see too much of how the sausage is made and it's a it's a real dampener on creativity i think yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know why don't you do more of this it's like fuck do you know how much work it costs me uh to uh put on that show that you saw once (laughs) it's like don't tell anyone out there that (laughs) no i know that's a real bummer um so i wonder Sorry, what were you going to say? You're right. No, no, sorry, you're right. Um, so I was going to uh, just finish off with this, which is, does this become the ultimate modern-day Osploitation movie, the moment that they have their car run on the power of zombies? <laughs> it felt like every idea, genre idea just coalesced into the perfect moment. Yeah, it could be for now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny, isn't it? If you could make the zombies into meth... Somehow, and then (laughs) (laughs) they all snort the zombies to go into battle with them at the end or something. Like, that might be a... (laughs) It's so funny. Yeah, it was just just making me laugh so much. It was like, well, here we have the last of the V8 interceptors, and now it's running on a zombie. And I've got to kill a tradesperson best friend to drain his blood, to set fire to it, to put in the car. Oh, my God. We need to massacre some more zombies every time we're going to drive anywhere. Right. And, and and how would ScoMo frame that? Like, that's ruined the weekend. You right. can't go and take your boat anywhere because you need to kill some zombies. Yeah, this is a disaster. The Bullshit. Like, that's it, like a, you can't have like a electric vehicle. You can't have a zombie powered vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> you just need access to petrol. Oh, man. What a fun film! Well, I'm I'm glad that they're doing a sequel. I'm curious to see where it'll go. And, yes, uh, absolutely. And uh, and worthwhile checking out if you're really just starting to get into the exploitation genre. I felt like this is a a good way in. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought we should sort of zig in the other direction and just sort of see what's been happening more recently. Like, there's as I mentioned in the last podcast, um, there's not a lot of there's a lot of stuff on Wikipedia that says it's exploitation, but it's just films that are made in Australia, which right. is slightly right. different. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, this is a more recent example of it, um, and we'll definitely get to other ones that are more recent as we move on. Right. Well, you you sent me a text message saying that you're thinking the, the next film is from 1987. Do you want to tell us about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a film called Dark Age, which is actually based on a novel that came out in 1980. Um, right. And a film that came out just prior to that 
novel came coming out was Jaws. And right. shockingly, in Australia, we suddenly had a novel about a giant croc. <laughs> right. Uh, and seven, eight, seven or eight years later, we've got uh, Dark Age, which is a film about a giant crocodile menacing um, Darwin. A uh, lot of the similar ideas. Uh, this one stars John Jarrett. Great. Right. Um, who plays Mick Taylor uh, in Wolf Creek. Yes. And also uh, Better Homes and Gardens. Um, right. Handy, friend, you know, another friendly handyman. Yeah. Uh, it's got um, Ray Maher from Home and Away. Great. Another great Australian actor um, who's got some very short shorts on playing the uh, beleaguered mayor in the yep. town where the crocodiles are going, uh, the crocodiles are taking people. Right. And it's got David Gulpalil, the great Australian indigenous actor. Well, it's, uh, it's funny. We, uh, I literally just uh, were recording this on uh, a Thursday and I had just uploaded the episode of The Leftovers that he appears. And I, I didn't realise this until I was reading it, but his character is it's kind of insinuated very subtly that that character is a continuation of the character he plays in the Peter Weir movie, The Last Wave. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, what a career he had, yeah. Yeah, like, like, like extraordinary, isn't it? So I hadn't even heard of this film. So when you sent me that text okay, message, cool. I was yeah, like, so great. I was going to – we, we talked about when I was in Sydney uh, Razorback, but I thought we should maybe try something else that was Big Preacher. Yeah. But not as well known because Razorbacks, you know, it's got lots of great stuff in it, but, you know, there's plenty of time to get there. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it occurred to me that, um, yeah, Greg McLean, the direct Melbourne director, had made Giant Crocodile movie Yep. about 10 years ago. But, yeah, this is the original Australian Giant Crocodile movie. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully it's not too difficult to find as well because I'm really curious to see it. it fairly easily, yeah. I think you should be all right. Yeah, great. That's great. All right. Well, thank you very much for that and thank you for introducing me to Wormwood. And, uh, you know, enjoyed it. Thank you. what a fun film. Like I just genuinely had – I was pretty tired last night. You know, I was telling you earlier that I'd had my second Pfizer shot, so I was – tired and we we had this uh moment where we can like oh we can record tomorrow let's do that and then i I put it on last night and uh i just really enjoyed it i just i'm really starting to get a uh, like a feel for the genre whereas in the past because i've only seen it bits and pieces now and again now i'm starting to recognize the tropes and and get the uh the, the very specific sense of humor that goes along with it it's fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Uh, where, so where can people find you? It's best to find you on Instagram, isn't it? I think, yeah, I'm doing my better work there. I'm putting little short uh, scraps of um, prose and things like that up there. Um, trying to do that uh, three times a day with different bits and pieces that are influencing what I'm working on. That's at Pass the Amel. Yep. D-A-S-S-T-H-E-A-M-Y-L. And, yeah, I'm on Twitter at the same handle, but that just basically means I retweet Justin or right. self-promote. <laughs> uh, Twitter. I can't and, be asked. <laughs> Cannot yeah, be asked otherwise. <laughs> no, 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 I get that. The uh, How's the uh, the book going? Because you were being shortlisted for yeah, um, the last... A, there's a working through a 
second stage of a um, prize here in Queensland. Um, we'll try not to overpump it. Uh, we'll find out next week. So okay. might... yeah, but also uh, talking to a couple of publishers internationally that I've thrown it out to. So it's an interesting insight into how this all works coming from a completely different industry. So just learning. Maybe we can talk about that, about that in more detail. Maybe we'll just put some time aside. Yeah. Yeah. Just do like I, a, Cause I'm, you know, coming into any, any sort of different industry is sort of always a little bit at sea and slowly right. an idea of what's going on. And it's, yeah, it's just creative communities are always like you mentioned um, cosplay earlier and having been in the comic scene for a while, um, yeah. it was good to see the cosplayer <laughs> go out like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank you for that, Garth. We'll speak again soon. Thanks, Justin. thank you to Garth who will be heard more often on this podcast over the coming season. Poor Garth, he keeps saying to me, hey, when are we getting back to it? Because, you know, we had a nice momentum and it was, uh, you know, I kind of got uh, snowed under with question everything and then I was straight back into the chase and then we took a little break and I was trying to launch the Patreon and it's just been, uh, look, it's been a little bit annoying on my behalf for Garth. Uh, not that he has said that, but I've felt, uh, you know, I felt annoyed for him. And we had uh, we had a nice little rhythm going there for a while. And I want to do more of this. So you will hear more of Garth over this coming season. Also, a big thank you to our Patreon subscriber for the episode, Steph Thank you very much for making all of this happen and for, once again, all your support over the years. Remember, you can sign up to the Patreon, have an episode dedicated to you and be in the running for bonus podcast scripts, uh, the opportunity to shape our Q&A episodes, all sorts of stuff. The Rove Q&A will go up tomorrow. And then on Thursday, back in this feed, Ben Elwood and I are launching our Space Podacy miniseries right here on the feed, right here. You don't have to go anywhere else. Right here at Big Squid. And we're really excited about it. It's uh, 10 sci-fi episodes. We're starting the season off with 2001 A Space Odyssey. As I said to you last week, you know, you either start with 2001 or you wait until episode 2001. And I don't have that kind of patience. So just... uh, Rip the band-aid off. Let's get into it. If you'd like to watch before you listen to the podcast, you have a little bit of time to get that sorted, or you can just download the podcast, watch the movie in your own time, listen to the podcast in your own time. We have new segments, new music, new art. It's a whole new experience that will differentiate it from our usual approach to movies, but it's quite clearly Elwood and Hamo. So we are flying along with this podcast. We've got a whole bunch of episodes already recorded and I can't wait for you to hear it. (laughs) Some of the segments I'm really happy with. They're really a lot of fun. I'll tell you one of the segments. Uh, One of the segments is uh, ruin this movie with one choice. (laughs) It's a really, even when I'm watching episodes, I'm uh, watching movies. I'm like, oh God, how can I ruin this? And I, I never tell Ben and I love to throw it his way <laughs> when he's least expecting it. Uh, this is going to be big. 
This is going to be a big podcast, and I'm glad you'll be here at the ground level to be a part of it. If you're enjoying our work, we'd love it if you leave us a top review at Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to listen to Big Squid. Word of mouth is also a great way to spread the love too, but only if you feel so inclined. Like, you might be one of those people who thinks, fuck it, I don't want too many other people knowing about it. I want this to be mine. I don't want them to get too big because then they'll become arseholes. And you know what? I respect that as well. So see how you feel about that. Uh, Let's finish today's episode with a quote from the master of the zombie genre, George A. Romero, who had this to say, A zombie film is not fun without a bunch of stupid people running around and observing how they fail to handle the situation. What a great quote. And uh, when you think about it, yeah. Yeah, that really does sum it up. I will speak to you again on Thursday. Until then. Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.